<laughs> but I'll get it done eventually. <laughs> we were actually it's talking great. about this before the show. I'm like, I'm always messing things up in here. <laughs> but anyway, so we're going to have some fun, even if we mess things up. But we really want to bring to you the best that we can, you know, when it comes to truth, because there's so much confusion in science and health and wellness in in mental and emotional health and physical health and in community health right there's so much out there and health is all encompassing really in so many ways and so it's you know we just want to talk about it and we want to do our best to bring to you what we know to be the truth to the best of our ability and you know hopefully guide you in some direction where you can find truth because our truth also is going to be you know we're all physically different we have our different environment our different skills our different relationships our different history and so um you know we just want to bring to you what we know is the best and then you can go and find what's the best for you mm-hmm. yeah well we good it, it's good enough <laughs> and, and we just want to you know like you said being able to, to speak to the truth about uh, what our mental health is yeah you know what yeah. is that yeah and focusing and recognizing that it's going to be different for every individual, Absolutely. but there's a unique recipe and universality to that mm-hmm. experience. And yeah. so we want to speak to the truth of that. Yeah, I love that. And so if I didn't already say this, this is my good friend, Charlie Pacello. He is the host of his own radio show on Fridays at 1 to 2 p.m. 1 to 2 p.m. Um, so be there. Uh, it's streaming live here, of course, on KUHS Denver, who is the bomb. That's an oldie, right? The bomb. <laughs> You're aging us right I, now. I know, I know. <laughs> Holy smokes. All right. So, what are we grateful for today? This is how we always want to start the show. I try to start my mornings with gratitude, with prayer, with some time of stillness. Um, and so, that's also how I want to start the show. And so, what are you grateful for today? Charlie? Boy, I am grateful for just... Um, just the privilege of being alive, mm-hmm. just breathing. Yeah, you know, That's a good one. to just to be able to breathe and wake up today and just to enjoy life. You know, that's what I'm grateful for. Yeah, very yeah. good. You know, um, I think what I'm grateful for today is, I mean, it, you you all know that I'm a functional nutritionist. I work mostly with humans, but I also work with dogs. Mm-hmm. And so it's not a huge part of my practice because when people hear that, they're like, what? How do you work with dogs? Anyway, but I teach people how to feed their dogs real, raw food because this is how they're built. This is the, the biologically appropriate diet for an animal, for, for a dog, right? Um, and so more people are seeing this now. For when, Whether it's seeing me, which is great, and that's what I want, but more people are now becoming more open to wait, there's something more um, to this. And, you know, there's, there's something more to, to taking care of my family because dogs are our family. If we bring them into the family, we take care of them as our family. And so there's this, this, this belief that, you know, this, these big dog food companies, and I would put it out there to the big companies, period. You know, there's so much heavy marketing that we fall for their marketing. And, you know... Kibble is death. I'm just going to say it. Kibble is death? Kibble is death. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. It may not be an early death, but it is. Dogs are supposed to live to be 25, 30 plus years old. Really? Yes. I didn't realize that. I always thought uh, a dog's life was somewhere like between maybe 10 to 15 years. Yeah, because that's what we are meant yeah. to believe now. Because that's how long they live, because of the way we can feed It's disgusting. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, when, yeah, and people have that same reaction. You know, people are like, oh, my dog's seven. He's middle-aged now. I'm like, no, he's not, and he shouldn't be, you know, so let's make that change now. And, you know, I mean, there's a dog out there that's 36. She might not still be around. I'm not sure. 36. Wow. Yeah, but she's from, I think, Australia or New, New Zealand. Yeah. Farming dog, ran every day, ate what the, you know, animals gave her. She found her own food, and... I mean, she did what a dog's supposed to do and what a dog's supposed to do. So, I didn't mean to kind of digress on that, but sometimes I can't help it, you know. But more people are finding me to help them and to help their dogs, and sometimes it's it's at that point where they're really sick, and sometimes we can bring them back, which is amazing. When all you do is change their food and... 
their lungs are working properly and their GI is working properly and their skin starts to feel better and smell better. I mean, it's it's amazing because it's such a quick change. It's amazing. So these are these are fun things to, to see. It's, you know, dogs they just want love, and so food is love. <laughs> give them good food. Food is uh, like the gifts from you know heaven and all that. You give it to the dogs, and they're just happy and they're wagging their tails. It's true. It's true. You know? so, yeah, I I think yeah. about my dogs. You know, and from when you're just seeing, saying about that. And uh, my gosh, Caesar was my favorite dog, and he died so young. And I was like, if we would have just give him the right food, mm-hmm. we could have lengthened his life. It's true. It's true. But, but what we can't do, and I think that these are things that we'll probably talk about, but, you, you know, that is kind of a traumatic experience. Yeah. You know, when your dogs yeah. die, I'd say it's very traumatic. I'm still traumatized by mine. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I learned off of my two boys, you know, which is kind yeah. of hard for me, but it's good at the same time because then I, I now, because of those boys, I'm able to teach and to help and, and you know, you know do at least my teeny tiny little part to try to expand a few dogs' lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I was going to say is we can't go back, right? I mean, we only know what we know now. We didn't know it then. So, but that's why I'm here now, in my mind, that's why I'm here now to speak my truth and what I believe to be is, is truth and, you know, to help those you know do the same thing at the very least do your own research look at it you know vets are going to tell you all day long this is a bad idea and that's okay i have a good friend who's a vet and she's i don't know if she's convinced yet but she's seen it she's seen what i've done with one of the dogs and she's like she hasn't said anything yet but but the dog is better and she's like i don't know what to do with this dog and the dog is thriving wow it's all because of food it's not magic You know, if we really thought about the things that we put in our bodies or Mm -hmm. animals' bodies and how much it's so much of it is processed and unnatural for them, I mean, we would revamp everything. I mean, we'd really just, I mean, it's like, it's so obvious once you think about it. But why, how did we get to this place where we just accepted that we would be, you know, feeding our dogs these things without even really thinking about is this healthy for them? It's true. It's true. It's really great marketing. It's truly amazing what marketing can do for whether it's for human food. You know, I mean, Matt, you know what kind of marketing is out there for these foods that are pure trash. I'm like, oh, it's healthy for you because it's low fat. Yay. You know, and I mean, and that's, that's even just it's got all these sugars to, and stuff. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. You know, they'll they'll go off of the, this is natural, so it's healthy. This is gluten-free, so it's healthy. This is sugar-free. This is fat-free. This is whatever, so it's healthy. You know, it's and, and if you don't take a little time to, to just do a little bit of research, to just do a little bit of understanding, and really all that means is thinking, let's take this back to basics. Is it from the earth? If it's not, <laughs> it's probably not okay yeah. in many cases. Yeah. So, I mean, that's really the basics. Think about it. You know, is it a vegetable? Is it a fruit? Is it a meat? Is it a fat? You know, it's all pretty basic stuff. So, anyway, sorry. We kind of got way off on on topic that's, that's well, I just kind of love it. We'll talk about it forever. But <laughs> we really... It's great. Are you kidding? I mean, I was like, wow, this is interesting. I didn't know it. Good. Learn something new every day, right? Yeah, this is fantastic. <laughs> you know, it, it just makes me, well, because, you know, eventually I'll get a dog again, but I'm going to take what you're saying to, to heart. Good. Yeah, because I think a dog's a man's best friend or, or a woman's best mm-hmm. friend. Uh, they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you want them to live as long as you possibly can. Yeah. Because they become a part of you. They do. And when you lose them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you could extend their life uh, just a little bit longer, wouldn't you want to? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, uh, it's interesting with my girls now who've never had a a stitch of kibble except when they're rescued, so when they were, you know, in the shelter or whatever. Um, I always think, how long are you gonna live? You live (laughs) such a long time, you know. (laughs) So it's kind of weird, but it's it's fun. It's fun and it's good and it's simple. It really is a pretty simple process to feed your dogs a good, healthy, raw diet. So we'll get off of that topic, um, at least for now. We'll come back to it at some point. It's but fabulous. Yeah. Fabulous. I'm happy to help you when you get your dog. Just let me know. All right. <laughs>
Okay, so let's jump into why we're actually here, <laughs> which is not dogs. Um, but we should probably always talk about dogs a little bit, I think. I, I think so. Um. You have to. <laughs> got to bring them in. Just, you know what the thing about dogs is that it doesn't matter where you are, where you've been. The moment they see you, it's like they, it's the first time they've ever seen you. Like you've been gone, you've gone for hours. You've hours when I you're I just back. walked to the mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> It is the best it's thing, the though. It's the best. So, my brother got his, uh, and I, I know we're just talking about dogs right now. I, it's, my, it's okay. My brother got a new uh, black Labrador. Now, he is the sweetest dog ever. He is, uh, his name's Bruno, and he's so smart. He's so loving. He, he you know, comes through in between the yeah, legs, and he yeah. just comes in, and he's got this, and it just, it doesn't matter. He, and he'll come over and... How could you not love it's those? It's the best. They are the best. I have my little one who's, who's become my dog. Mm -hmm. um, but what she does, and it's really bad. It's really bad. Because your dogs are not supposed to jump. But she doesn't jump. She looks at me with these eyes, and she stretches. And she's on her hind legs, and she's just stretching. <laughs> and like, okay. And then she'll, give, she'll literally wrap her paws around me, put her head on my shoulder, and give me a hug. Oh, that's so beautiful. That's awesome. It is awesome, but they're not supposed to jump, and I can't say no. I can't. Lowry, my husband, gets really upset. Um, but that's okay. Good. What? Is it down? No. See, I'm still not doing my job. <laughs> Henry, Henry's always trying to take care of me. Well, he does take care of me because I don't do my job well. I can talk, but I can't do all the mechanical stuff. Anyway, see, I, think, I hope I, it's. I think people love this. <laughs> Honestly, when I, I, we were just. We were, I mean, isn't it funny when you, you talk about something and sometimes it happens that way? Um, we were. I watched this thing recently where there was an interview that was happening. Right, it was all perfect. It was formal. It was this, and, mm -hmm. you know, like this. And it's like, there was no feeling. There was no mistakes. <laughs> there was all like this. It was like, you know, and I think people like that, you know, or you, you could connect with like people just being people. Oh, man. You know? Yeah, people, I'm a people who screws up a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... But it's honest and authentic. And I think, you know, because sometimes some, some things are so formalized yeah. and so this. And it was like, okay, yeah, you know, she was doing a great job. She did us, uh, and, but it wasn't, it was so mechanical. Mm -hmm. and if, they, if people are doing things just mechanically all the time, and they're not. Boring. It's boring. It's totally boring. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, this is like, yeah. But if people are like, you know, making mistakes and they see a little thing, they're like, oh, what's going on? And so they check it out, you know. <laughs> it's just such a mess. It's such a mess sometimes, I swear. But uh, we all what are. We do. We yeah. all are. Yeah. You know? Which is what we're going to talk about today, not being yeah. a mess. And sometimes we're all a little bit of a mess. <laughs> well, it's how to manage our messness. You know, Ooh, we, I like that. You know, because we're going to all be a little bit of a mess. Some of us are on, on one end of the spectrum. Others of us are on the other end of the spectrum. But how, we, how do we handle our mess yeah. in a way that allows us to experience life in its fullness? Mm-hmm. Because there's so much. Yeah. It's, there's so much. And when we get stuck in our head, we, it's so often that you, it's, it's just so difficult to experience anything. And you can't, mm -hmm. you can't see outside of that. No. And that's just, it's sad, you know. So I think that probably <laughs> let's start with who you are, <laughs> what you are. I mean, that's how I kind of always start the show with, with guests is I just, I want you to talk about, you know, instead of me reading a bio and all of this stuff, you know, <laughs> let's talk about, you know, let you talk about what you do, what brought you here, what excites you, um, what you're doing that's new, and then we'll kind of dig into some of this other stuff. Sure. Um, well, I'm a, I'm a life coach, teacher, uh, public speaker. I've been working with people who've struggled with PTSD and depression and trauma uh, for many, many years. And uh, I'm a veteran as well. I was in the mm -hmm. Air Force. Thank uh, you for your service. Oh, I love that. Thank you mm -hmm. uh, for mm -hmm. saying that. But it was something that uh, was a part of my family for many years or for generations my uh, my dad was in Vietnam my grandfather was in World War II just recently found out uh, 
my biological grandfather, uh, his name was last name was Lindsay. Uh, we just re recently learned that. And wow. They um, they were fighting in the Civil War and Revolutionary War. So we have like a oh, you just gave me chills. Generations. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, they yeah. were they were fighting on both sides, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. on the Confederate side and the Union side. Holy smokes! So talk about brother fighting brother uh -huh. and cousin fighting cousin and all that. Ugh, so a so lot of much. intergenerational mm -hmm. trauma that got passed down the generations. <gasps> we're talking epigenetics now. Epigenetics. Now. Get and we're going to get into that. <laughs> you know, collapsed on me, which I didn't even know. You know, yeah. what had happened. What you know, why these things were unfolding <clears throat> the way they were. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I, when I when I uh, uh, joined the military, I went to the Air Force Academy down here in uh, Colorado Springs. Mm -hmm. And I graduated in 96 and uh, worked on, uh, got stationed in Los Angeles Air Force Base and worked on the nuclear warfare program. Mm -hmm. It was the GPS NDS program. So, by the way, everything I'm saying to you is public knowledge. <laughs> so it can, is now. It is now. No, it's, <laughs> no, it is. It, it is. Um, so you can find this. Uh, anyway, I was working on this, uh, this system. And it was, a, it was a mobile survivable ground and control unit that would only be used for, to conduct integrated tactical warning and attack assessment and nuclear force management. Basically, that means end-to-end uh, -end nuclear war. Where they hit us, where we hit them, do we have more weapons to shoot? And it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do, mm -hmm. you know? And Did so you have a choice? So is that just where they put you, and then you realize that's not what you wanted to do, or? Um, you know, ironically, it was when I got to LA Air Force Base, they uh, they didn't have an assignment for me. Hmm. It's like they didn't even know I was coming, which was really strange. Yeah. And I was like, how did they, how did my name get lost as I was going there? And I was a you know young, aspiring lieutenant, and uh, so they didn't have, but they so they had me walk around the office, <laughs> and there was like nuclear warfare program what the heck is that so let me try that out mm. so i i chose it because uh you know i thought it was you know the the, the peaceful mission was to protect uh making sure that nobody was blowing up nuclear weapons okay. india and pakistan mm -hmm. were having well they're still having problems but <laughs> they were having problems back then and mm -hmm. we were concerned but then i got assigned to the offensive mission and uh screwed me up Mm. Got what uh, was called moral injury, um, which is basically uh, uh, your mind tells you to do something that your heart knows is wrong. You know, annihilating mankind was not something I wanted to participate in, mm -hmm. uh, and I would started waking up with um, nuclear apocalyptic nightmares. I was frozen in my bed, mm. um, night sweats. Uh, uh, burning bodies, uh, screams, that kind of stuff. And uh, I was in trauma. And uh, and I was having these... And so I ended up losing my sense of moral compass mm -hmm. because if, uh, you know, I felt betrayed by the oath that I took. Mm -hmm. I felt betrayed by the country that I was serving. I felt in the command structure. I didn't have anybody to talk to. I didn't know anything, you know, about moral injury at the time. And uh, and I didn't understand the epigenetics mm -hmm. that I had been mm -hmm. born into and the family that I had been born into. And I didn't know about the adverse childhood experiences, which is the ACEs study, which hadn't even been done yet. And the origin, uh, that study hadn't been done until 1998. And that study talks about these early adverse experiences that you have in your childhood uh, makes someone predisposed to having PTSD when they become an adult because it changes mm -hmm. the way your brain functions mm -hmm. and processes things. And we can get into that so here. So you had childhood traumas that yeah. then sort of opened you up to these other traumas. Yes. Okay. Yeah, um, zero to five is a, is a huge window of growth for children. Mm -hmm. It's also um, a major, uh, there's different developmental stages that in a healthy environment, children who grow up in a, where the, the, the family structure and the family system is intact and both parents are doing their best and they're, you know, but there's not any conflict, there's not any violence, there's not any mm -hmm. of that going mm -hmm. on. Well, um, 
when my dad came back from Vietnam, my, my parents had a lot of problems. Mm. Okay, there was a lot of uh, alcoholism, interpersonal, yeah. mm -hmm. um, that kind of stuff. And I was, my first conscious memories of those things were, 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 were watching, you know, things mm. that happened. And so, um, and I loved both my parents and they were both injured. And as a mm. child, what you end up doing is you take that on. Yep. Uh, personally, you know, if something's wrong with my mom, there's something wrong with my dad, there's something wrong with me. And your nervous system makes these adjustments in order to survive where you're at. And the family that you're born into, it's automatic. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's actually a brilliant mechanism to what your nervous system will do. And in, uh, your, in order to survive, it will make changes so that you can adapt. Mm -hmm. Um, like codependency is, a, is an ad adaptation that your nervous system makes in, is a, a, in order to survive um, and it, because you need to know your, the emotional um, makeup of the person that you're with. You mm -hmm. need to kind of mesh into it knowing if, okay, if I do this, they're going to be upset. If I do this, they're yeah. going to be happy. So you're st constantly monitoring them because you need them in order to survive, in order to feed you, mm -hmm. in order to put your clothes on, you know, all those things, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. And so, um, and then your brain no longer is able to perceive uh, safety. So mm -hmm. your, your nervous system That's so sad. will start looking for cues of safety. All right, it does it automatically. Um, it's uh, it's uh, interoception. It's okay. called interoception. Mm -hmm. You're interocepting cues of safety, cues of threat, and cues of connection. So you're doing that always automatically. Mm -hmm. And if you've been in a, born in an environment where those cues have, have been imbalanced, all right, you're going to your brain in order to protect you is going to look for more cues of threat than for cues of safety because you're constantly living in a world where you're walking on eggshells. Yep. You're worried about this person blowing up. Um, you have a parent who's drinking and who's uh, you know, an mm -hmm. alcoholic and all of a sudden you're doing this. And so now the, the centers in the brain, which are called the, um, uh, the uh, I can't remember right now, but it's the, the posterior cingula, the anterior cingula. Those areas in your brain help you to feel safe in your own body. Okay. And that gets developed between about three to five years of age, mm. that part of the brain. And those cues of safety, a child can't do that for him or herself. They can only do that by co-regulating of a calm and rational and regulated parent. I have to get mm. my cues of safety from my primary caregivers. So if mom is, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared, and mom gives me that look like, mm. come here, honey, hold, hold me like this, it calms the child's nervous system down. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it teaches them how to regulate. If the mom, I'm just using, and it could be the dad as well, sure. I'm yeah. just using mm -hmm. this as, a, if the mom is dysregulated and she's nervous and she's scared as well because, or she's threatened and the child <laughs> is threatened, there's no way for the child at that age to learn how to regulate those emotions that are coming in. And so it, it creates more dysregulation mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it creates different neuronal pathways, different neuronal mm -hmm. connections. And so I didn't know any of that stuff. Yeah. All right. This is mm -hmm. all new stuff. Um, and when I was a young lieutenant, I was waking up to these nightmares and all this stuff. And I lost my moral compass and my system was going off. Mm -hmm. And so what do I do? I, I did whatever most people do who suffer mm -hmm. from any kind of trauma related injuries is you want to feel good. Mm -hmm. So you numb yourself out with alcohol, with drugs, yep. with sex with anything mm -hmm. to to uh you know uh those those uh adrenaline adrenaline rushing activities you know yeah. when you're, you're 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 driving the motorcycle as fast as you can down the road mm -hmm. or you're you know you're putting yourself in danger because that elevation in your body that, that rush of those chemicals in your body makes you feel calm isn't that amazing? Your brain mm -hmm. changes mm -hmm. if you, and this is uh, Dr. Bessel van der Kolk's work, and I had him, 
uh, on my show recently, which was amazing. Yeah. Brilliant, man. Uh, best, one of the world-class doctors out there. You've had some great, great people on your show. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that a little bit, I think, because, I mean, super high-level. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's been like good a for you. It's kind blessing. of a, a dream. Yeah, yeah. Um, and to have him on, his, his, his book... There were two uh, books that really helped me tremendously. One was uh, Dr. Edward Tix, who I worked with for many years and who was my mentor, one of my mentors and teachers. Uh, he wrote the book called War and the Soul okay. and Warrior's Return. And that helped me to understand the wounding that I had gotten mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As, a, as, a, as a veteran, right, as a warrior. Uh, Dr. Bessel van der Kolk's work helped me to understand what was going on in the brain. Okay. Help me to understand mm-hmm. what was going on in my nervous system. Mm-hmm. Help me to give the the body, you know, the, the, that understanding mm-hmm. that was so the medical understanding yeah. of what was happening to me or why that happened. Mm-hmm. Because life gives you the test first, and then you get the lesson. <laughs> well, so th- and that's know? what I was going to ask you is, where did something just did you go searching or did something kind of fall on your lap and you're like, oh. I need to dig into this a little bit more. <laughs> I wish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wish it was that way. Uh, no, it wasn't. Um, what ended up happening, uh, long story short, I, I, I left the military in a very uh, bad place. Um, I was went from being one of the top lieutenants until one mm. that was in trouble. Mm-hmm. And I had all the markers of someone, now that I look back, someone who was... Uh, suffering from trauma, you know, the symptoms, all of that. I was suicidal. I was Ugh. living on edge. I was mm-hmm. doing. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I ended up uh, going down a long, dark path of alcohol and drug abuse. Uh, and I ended up um, getting, trying to fight, reconnect to joy mm-hmm. by getting into the theater, right? It was something I had done okay. when I was yep. a kid. Yep, yep, yep. Getting back to, mm-hmm. to creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, getting back into learning what it meant to be human again. What it meant for me, you know, to put myself mm-hmm. in other people. And so all of a sudden it was like, oh, oh, I'm feeling myself, mm-hmm. like feeling mm-hmm. alive again. And I ended up um, forming a relationship with a woman during this time. And we were in a relationship for six years. Uh, we were both actors. And I ended up forming a relationship with her that replicated exactly exactly what I had witnessed between my mother and my father uh, at two and a half, three years mm-hmm, old. Exactly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. It's like it was a program that was, you know, embedded mm-hmm, in the virus, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. embedded into my unconscious mind that uh, was just waiting for the right woman to come into my life, mm-hmm. certain attributes, qualities, characteristics, and traits, and it just activated that program. It on. And it just flipped yeah. it on. And these are called betrayal bonds, um, where you engage in a lot of drama mm-hmm. and a lot of uh, conflict and, mm-hmm. and, you know, disagreements, power plays, uh, you know, using love as a weapon with mm-hmm. each other yeah. until it reaches a climax, you know, whatever that is. And sure. then there's the payoff. There's the, the, there's the relief. The, the apology, the reconciliation, the, um, the intimacy, all those things, and they're called betrayal bonds. Mm-hmm. And they're very, it's, a, it's a dysfunctional pattern. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a reversal of the loyalty bond. Okay, yeah. Right? When mm-hmm. you go through something with somebody, and you've, you, you, like when you and your husband came here to Colorado, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you struggled. Right. Yep. But you were with each other. Yep. It was lo- you were loyal mm-hmm. to one another, and so right. the bond became mm-hmm. stronger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the lo- that's when it's healthy. Mm-hmm. But the betrayal bond uses you betray each other's trust mm-hmm. in some way, mm-hmm. in order to you know link up in a in a tighter unit. Yeah. But you you have to feed that negative. It's a yeah. negative loop. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, I formed a relationship with that dysfunctional pattern because that's the only way I knew how to be in a relationship, too. Mm-hmm. And and I'm trying to heal that within myself as well. It ended tragically. Uh, and she left me unexpectedly. And I opened the par- door to our apartment and I found all of her stuff gone. Mm. And what that did was where she lived inside of me just got ripped mm-hmm. open. 
and then all this pain, grief, and I was, and I knew I was in trouble. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was alone in an apartment. Uh, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. So, um, and so it was. It was. I was suicidal. Where the where my where she used to live inside my heart was this big gaping hole, mm-hmm. and all this pain and grief and ang- anger and rage spewed forth. Uh, people would wave their hand in front of my face and uh, nobody was home. Hmm. And uh, every time I came back to the apartment, I kept reliving it over yeah. uh, in its intensity. So uh, <laughs> exposure therapy would not have worked for me. <laughs> I was totally <laughs> yeah. being exposed to yeah. it over and over again. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I just wanted the pain to stop. And, I, and it was, oh my gosh, I, those five months uh, were the hardest. Mm-hmm. And um, and so yeah, it was. I got on my hands and knees and prayed. I hadn't prayed in a long time, mm-hmm. and I was in trouble. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so it was. It was from that place of pain of having gone to the very bottom of it. You can't yeah. get any closer than mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Well, you have a choice at that point. Yeah. Um, to live or die. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And so I chose. I kept getting. And then I met a doctor. Uh, her name is Dr. Sarah Larson, and she studied. I wanted to help you, and so that started my journey. Isn't that amazing? And yeah. the, the thing, because that's what you said, the, the hard stuff comes and then the lesson comes after. <laughs> and while you're going through it, you know, you're like, where, just give me the lesson now because I'm really tired and I don't want to do this anymore. Because <laughs> that's, I mean, I say that a lot, you know, when we're talking about Lowry and my husband and moving to Colorado, it was a struggle. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been a long struggle um, just because it was a very, it's a very different state. It's mm-hmm. a, you know, v- economics were very different. We moved here right when there, the crash and it's just, you know, it's been crazy, mm-hmm. you know, totally starting over. But sorry, I don't mean to digress, but it, it's like, you look back, you're like, okay, I've learned so much. I'm a very different person in a good way. Larry and I are very different people together in a good way, mm-hmm. right? You mm-hmm. grow together and you are able to look back and see the lessons. Mm-hmm. There have been a lot of lessons. <laughs> um, but going through it can suck. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> really bad. Yeah, yeah. And if you're experiencing trauma, mm-hmm. right? Trauma is pre verbal. So it comes before language, it bypasses your language centers. You're the, the prefrontal cortex, the um, uh, Broca's area of your brain, it bypasses it. It goes right into the limbic system, the emotional brain. So when you experience a traumatic event, your whole body stiffens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're going into that fight or flight response mode. It's mm-hmm. the amygdala is being activated, the hypothalamus, all the chemicals, you know, adrenals. the adrenals mm-hmm. and all that stuff is being, you know, so that you can alert, all right, is this... Is this a, a, a situation that I need to run from, right? Do I have enough time to run? Okay, that's the first moment, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so you make that, I mean, it's so fast how, it, how these, this process happens. The next stage is fighting. All right, no, I can't run, so I'm going to fight. I'm going to stay here. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to defend myself or defend my loved ones or what mm-hmm. happened. And then the next stage is freeze. It's so overwhelming, the terror. You can't do anything. Yeah. You are helpless. Mm-hmm. You're in a situation, maybe a child or a situation where bombs are blowing around, up around mm-hmm. you or somebody is, is uh, hurting you or violating you in some way and you can't do mm-hmm. anything about it. So your system goes on to freeze, which is a way of protection as well. If I freeze, maybe they'll, they won't see me or they'll hide or this will mm-hmm. go away, which leads to once you reach that, it goes, you go into collapse, you go into despair, you go you're, where you will see like playing possum, mm-hmm. all right, that is a defense mechanism, mm-hmm. that is the extreme end of the fight or flight response system in nature, mm-hmm. and they will collapse, all right, and then they play possum, and you, you feign death, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. feign death, and so you, so I, I just want it to be over, that's when the whole system is on overload. But it's all in service of survival. All of this is in service of helping you to survive. And then you wake up from that stuff. Animals will be able to shake it off, like a dog. If a dog has got a traumatic experience, Mm -hmm. they shake it off, you pet them, you're like, they're able to get it out of their bodies. 
what mm, we humans do. Not, not always. Not always. <laughs> not always. But, but yes, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, we are very different creatures, but mm-hmm. it sticks with them. A lot of times it'll stick with them. And I, we don't need yeah. to get into that. But, I mean, their little personalities change. and. <laughs> You, you know that more than I. Mm-hmm. But, but when, yeah. when this is uh, Peter Levine's work, he studied this, uh, <coughs> excuse me, in, uh, in nature, and in, in more of like a gazelle. Mm-hmm. You know, gazelle's being chased by a lion, freezes, waits till the lion passes, and then it will literally run around in a circle mm. and then go off to back to grazing to wow. shake off the yeah, trauma yeah, to yeah. moving yeah, that yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, gotcha, so, that's cool. So it, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's learning, you know, that mm-hmm. the trauma gets trapped in that body. Um, so if you don't know that about yourself and what's happening as humans, um, we will hold on to that. We will suppress that. We will put, we don't know how to verbalize it. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden we get these flashbacks. We get nightmares. We get Mm -hmm. nervous about being in a certain situation, uh, a glance, a look, uh, the sound of somebody's Mm -hmm. voice, um, just being in the presence of, uh, of a man. Just being in the presence right. of a woman, all yeah. those things can mm-hmm. suddenly send these triggers and these chemicals because your brain has looked for cues of danger, has shifted in order to protect itself. Mm-hmm. And so trauma is, uh, the absence of trauma is not, is, is let me put it this way. How, what is the absence of trauma is agency. It is choice. Okay. Okay, mm-hmm. where you did not have a choice before mm-hmm. in that situation, whether it was bombs blowing up, whether it was somebody getting shot, whether it was not being able to sit, you know, to help uh, that family or, or to, you know, to, to, to fend off your attacker or to when you're a refugee and you're, you're just, you, you couldn't do it. And it's putting, I didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, there was nothing else I could do. And so you have to give people back into a place where they feel like they can, they have a choice again. Right. I can choose. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a, it's, mm-hmm. and, it's, and to get there is, is, is a journey. Yeah. A difficult one. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm amazed that we're already 40 minutes into the show, to the show. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. So quick break. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no. I can talk sometimes. Don't be sorry. I mean, yeah. that's what it's about. But I just, I've been just kind of going, wow, and a little bit mesmerized. I'm like, whoa, it's 1040. <laughs> <laughs> Man. All right. This is another three-hour show that we could have. Um, so real quick, uh, Henry's on top of me, actually. He, I, I saw him put the, <laughs> put the sponsor up, and I was like, oh, I need to talk about my sponsors. So Rifle is an amazing company. They're a pain management company. They're a, a supplement <laughs> company. The, the form, uh, the, the, the main component that they use is curcumin, which is a uh, piece of part of turmeric. as uh, the active component of turmeric. And so I don't want to get too much into it, but it tastes good. You know, it's got, you know, calming herbs. It has uh, focusing herbs. There's, a, there's one that will help you sleep and one that will help you wake up. Um, but the goal of it is to help with controlling pain without the drugs. And it does such an amazing job that they're sold in um, pain management clinics. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's a natural supplement. It takes a little bit longer than, you know, just taking an ibuprofen or something stronger. It'll take, you know, could take a week, could take a couple of weeks, could take a month. Kind of depends on your body. But it does work, and it works really, really well. So first off, understanding where your, your pain comes from, but then using something like this to help to control it while the need is there. Um, or if you're one of those people, I always use my husband who has a fused ankle, nutrition lifestyle can't change a fused ankle. And so this is, <laughs> this is one of those things that could be, a, you know, whenever he needs it, he can yeah. do something like this. So great company, small company. Um, building their small business just like we're all trying to do and I appreciate them for for the beautiful products that they brought to us um, and I, I you know I'm looking forward to seeing all the other things that they produce they've come out with a few other things but go to rightful.com and put in the code TLN20 to get a discount and just do it because I love them I love them I don't have pain but they help me focus um, or the supplement helps me focus 
that's where my pain is. I don't focus very well. <laughs> you know, that's and when your mind, when you're trying to operate your own business or you do that, yeah. your mind is going so many different mm-hmm. directions. Yeah. So the ability to focus, mm-hmm. so, so I, important. It it is important, yeah. and I'm, it's been a year long work for me, um, and it's 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 going well. But there are always times where I still just kind of go all over the place. Like, okay, bring it back. Um, but it's it's. It is interesting, you know. I've we have um, Dr. Sam and Dr. Sam and Dr. Lynn who have their show. I've been working with them on my brain and focus. Anyway, so many fun things that we can do to help help ourselves and people who are around us who are so good at what they do. Because I'm good at nutrition, but I'm not good at the brain. I'm not good at the mental and emotional. So knowing people and surrounding yourself with just the they're just the smartest people around mm-hmm. is always a good thing. It is a good thing. <laughs> it's always a good thing. <laughs> Okay, so let's do this. We've talked a lot about, we kind of went straight into talking about trauma, um, but I want to talk a little bit about the epigenetic piece of it because this is the part that, that and I, we, we talked a little bit about earlier, but I want to make sure that there's an understanding of what that means because it's amazing. It's truly amazing. And so just really briefly, um, epigenetics, so we have our, our genetic makeup. It's, you know, kind of our what we everything about us, right? Mm-hmm. It's our eye color, things that don't typically change, they can. But then we have what's called our epigenome, and there are locations that sit on top of our genes that have the ability to turn on and off due to lifestyle factors, which means, because I have it in my tagline, we do have control over our genetic destiny. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's sleep, it's food, it's, um, it's, uh, it's calm, you know, bringing stress down or stress up, you know, all of these things can turn, can flip these switches on or off. It's, um, it's trauma. It's, uh, it's, it's everything. It's toxicants, environmental toxicants. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, you, you name it. It's part of lifestyle. This has the ability to turn these genes on and off. And I want to give a quick example of a friend of mine. Uh, she's a girl I went to school with who, um, is, is, studied this epigenetic, I call it a phenomenon, it's not, but it's it's fairly new science, relatively speaking, mm-hmm. uh, and, and you know things we're still just learning and discovering about it. But an example is she was a, a dancer, she was healthy, she was active, all of these things. She had a, I think she had five family members pass within six months. Wow. So I don't know any details about it, and it doesn't really matter, except it was amazingly traumatic for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after that point, this trauma, you can only assume, but, but the science shows it, flipped on these genes, mm-hmm. right? And so she has been fighting her body since that point in many, many ways, whether it's infections and mold, and she's just much so much more susceptible to things, and these genes flipped on, and, and her body has just literally gone haywire. And, and it's been, I've known her now, so this was in school, it's been eight years, and I think it probably started, I'm sure it started before that point. Um, and so, I think part of that is for people to understand, you know, look at your history and understand that if you've had trauma or maybe you don't remember, I have a friend who also didn't remember until recently, that kind of thing. You know, if, if you, it, trauma can, can, can make you sick. You know, if you can't figure out what's going on with you, find somebody who understands trauma or understands epigenetics or can understand your history and kind of help you move through that process both Physically, you know, with somebody like me or a you know functional medicine doctor, but somebody who also can help. You've got to have both. Mm-hmm. Someone who help, can help with the mental and emotional piece of it because you can't, you can't. Oops, hello. You can't separate them. No, you cannot separate. Yeah. Them. It's uh, the, it, you have to treat uh, any type of effective treatment in any way is going to be, truly, in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, and that's based on a lot of years of research and, and what happened. With, You've got to you got to treat nutrition. You got to treat the body. You've got to treat the mind. You got to treat the emotions. You got to be able to, and the whole spirit. You're an integrated person. Right. Yeah. And we've got to. Mm-hmm. And then, and epigenetics is fascinating. I mean, what we know now and, and the things that are impacting, just like because we're, we're talking about trauma, um, they have done numerous studies on 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 animals on others where they were able to traumatize the parent to see what was going to happen to the offspring. 
uh, did they show those same kind of symptoms? Mm -hmm. And there was uh, uh, Dr. Yehuda, she's a wonderful doctor. I th I'm, I'm pretty sure that's this, sh this is her study. Uh, she traumatized these mice and uh, or separated the, the pups from the mother mm -hmm. and then returned them. And then they had offspring. And those mice showed and exhibited PTSD symptoms, even though they were not traumatized in the mm -hmm. second generation. Yep. Other examples, uh, people from the Holocaust, the survivors yep. of the Holocaust, mm -hmm. people who were in the Holocaust were so overwhelmed by the trauma, the death, the, the toll that they had been through mm -hmm. that their system was just on overload. Yep. They were shut down. But and their, their offspring, so many of them, uh, mm -hmm. showed PTSD mm -hmm. symptoms. Mm -hmm. The agitation, the hypervigilance, the, the, yeah. the, the, all of those things that uh, you would expect someone who'd been through the actual mm -hmm. event, mm -hmm. but no, it was, there, it was on the next, mm -hmm. second and third mm -hmm. generations. Yeah. And so the more we start to begin to understand uh, how we can be influenced by the genetic code of our parents and mm -hmm. what they went through. I mean, it's even known that the, the spermaline cells in the man can be uh, changed right up until the moment of conception. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if your father, as an example, went to war uh, and then came back and you were, uh, you were conceived, mm -hmm. those traumas that your father or mother went through, mm -hmm. you're going to be encoded with. Yeah. Very high probability. Mm -hmm. It is amazing. Um, and a little, a little bit of a offshoot of that because, the, you know, anyway, I, I love fertility and I love pe mm -hmm. helping people to have babies. And so what, what I, tr what I'm trying to do, I'm actually trying to get to the point where I can create a course on this, but mm -hmm. it's, it's a course to, to, that is guiding people before they get pregnant. Um, to be patient, take the time, get your body, your mind, your emotions, um, your physical health in as good a place as you possibly can because it's not just about what you eat or don't eat. It's about your feelings, it's about your attitude, it's about everything that you do. And what this data is showing is it's not only to the next generation, it's these genes can be switched on. What they're showing is up to seven generations, seven generations because of this thing that you do. Um, and, you know, I know that there are people out there who just have the attitude. Well, I'm going to eat whatever I want and worry about all the other stuff after the baby comes. And I'm going to not worry about this or I'm going to do this or I'm going to stay in this abusive relationship or whatever the case may be. You know, we are a sick nation and it's, it's sad because so much of this wasn't understood, you know, as we moved into the Industrial Revolution and the, the, the fake foods that we eat now and that kind of thing. But we're, we're understanding it now. And so getting away from these foods, I say that because a lot of our illness is coming from parents and grandparents. Mm -hmm. um, and it's being passed on. But that's the beautiful thing about having control of our ge genetic destiny is we can we can change the trajectory mm -hmm. we can change the trajectory the trajectory of our dogs dying too soon but we've got to do something about it yeah you can't do anything about what happened yesterday right you know and there's no need to blame your parents or your no 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 that's that, not it's not a blame it's, it's just a, an understanding it's an yeah, understanding yeah, yeah. it's mm -hmm. it's info information it's right. Wisdom, <laughs> right? You it's can't a science. You, just too. like we said earlier, yeah. you can't you can't change what happened. You can't change any of that stuff, but we can move forward. You do have yeah. a choice on how you mm -hmm. want to move forward. Yeah, you have it, and and that's the, the the that powerful agency of being able to choose your destiny, rather than just allowing fate to determine yeah. and others to determine uh, your mm -hmm. fate. Mm -hmm. If I'm choosing my destiny, that's what I'm choosing what I want to eat. Mm -hmm. I'm choosing mm -hmm. that I'm going to get healthy. I'm choosing healthier thoughts. Yep. I'm choosing recognizing that my thoughts are going to affect my feelings, that are going to affect my emotions, that are going to affect my quality of life. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do whatever I can to start to get my mind and my thoughts in mm -hmm. order because I know the power that that has on the, fullness, on the wholeness and health of my body. Yep. Right? And also, if I allow or 
the other choice, the other option is I'm not going to do anything. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get, I'm just going to just, and so now you allow the environment, you allow others, you mm -hmm. allow outside influences mm -hmm. to determine your fate. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. What do you want to do? Yeah, it's, it's, it's your choice. It's mm -hmm. our choice. It's my choice. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I want to be very clear about is just because your parents or your grandparents sent down these, you know, epigenetic changes doesn't mean that they'll present, mm -hmm. right? So just because you have them doesn't mean that you're going to present. And when I say present, it's, you know, develop, um, you know, cardiovascular, cardiovascular disease or develop, um, you know, you're just going to be fat because everybody in my family is fat kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, it really is up to you and it's up to me mm -hmm. um, on whether something presents or not. Now, trauma can also flip these switches on. So, mm -hmm. you know, those are, there are things that we can't control. We can try to get away from them, but things happen, right? But we can control our food. We can control whether we pray or meditate. We can control our thoughts and our emotions, or we can learn to control them. Mm -hmm. I know sometimes they can be uncontrollable, but we can learn to control them. We can seek help. But these are all choices, just like you said. It's choices that we make to be the bigger, better, most uh, there's a word optimal person that we can be yeah. in all of these ways, but it's tiny steps at a time. You know, nobody says, Oh, let's just be this, you know, <laughs> immediately. It, it's, it's, it's lessons. It's life. It's, it's, uh, it's a process. It's a journey. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, it's a journey of empowerment. I mean, I think one of the most critical elements that, uh, is in this time is for us to learn how to empower each other. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, to empower each mm -hmm. other. And yet it starts with us learning mm -hmm. how to re-empower ourselves when we have given our power over to the world, whether it's because of traumatic uh, memories, uh, bad diet, um, poor nutrition, um, lack of a health, you know, supportive environment to help you to move forward in a direction in life, whatever it may be. Um, being able to regain that power starts mm -hmm. with you mm -hmm. and then what then helping others to regain their power yeah. and i think that that's one of the biggest things especially with people who've been traumatized is they feel powerless mm -hmm. and unable to move and they live in isolation and and hopelessness that their life will ever change mm -hmm. again mm -hmm. and they feel a prisoner um in their own world they can't yeah. move out of it mm -hmm. and it's it takes time whenever you're dealing with mm -hmm. wounds to the soul mm -hmm. whenever you're dealing with those deep core soul wounds uh it's a wounding to the deep emotional self yeah all right it's going to take a little bit of time mm -hmm. all right? but you can get through it mm -hmm. you will get through it and it, and it's just a matter of consistency it's a matter of commitment. It's mm -hmm. a matter of, you know, not giving up on mm -hmm. yourself. Right. Um, because you, if you would have seen me when that, that moment mm -hmm. happened 10 years ago, uh, I was a mess. I was, you know, suffering from complex PTSD, severe. Mm -hmm. uh, and here I am sitting with you today. You don't have to live with it for the rest of your life. Yeah. You just don't. Yeah, yeah. I hate that we're almost finished, but we are. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's okay because you know what. What I want to do now is just make sure that people know where to find you. So your website is Core Soul Healing, mm -hmm. um, and so talk about what it is that that you do. How how do you deal with clients? What is it that you're doing now? Because you're sort of you're sort of evolving in your mm -hmm. business a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. So talk about that because it's exciting. It is exciting. It's very exciting. It's, um, I had, um, I decided I wanted to move out on my own a little bit more. Uh, a lot of things changed in that I had originally thought well, I was going in one direction and now I'm going in another direction. And I thought that, that, uh, trauma healing was where there was a lot of great work being done in the medical field. There's a lot of great work being, being done with the, uh, the, the soul. And then there's a lot of great work being done with the mind, but how, why aren't we communicating with each yeah. other? Mm -hmm. Why are we having mm -hmm. just this group over here and this group over here and this group over here? So I, what I wanted to do was to to make a three-tiered program, which I think is critical to healing from trauma, mm -hmm. um, which is healing trauma, deepening the mind-body connection, mm -hmm. 
which includes nutrition and mm -hmm. living well sure. and restoring the soul. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at it from the science of Western medicine and you're incorporating it with this understanding of, of the mind-body connection. Mm -hmm. And then you're getting back into connection with your soul in what makes you alive, what, what connects you to the world around you. And when someone has experienced trauma, they're at war within themselves. Mm -hmm. All right? You're, you, and it's, it, you're, you're fighting your own demons. You're fighting that, that battle on the inside. And if we don't articulate and identify what that is, um, how are we going to help you? Mm -hmm. so, um, so what we do, we, we have classes, we have courses. Uh, to help you to understand how to heal the soul and what your own soul, to connect you to your soul. When we're healing trauma, we're, we have to create a space between the event and you. It, and it, you have to be able to start to feel safe in your body. That's number one when you're healing trauma. I've got to feel safe in my own body again. And what does that look like? And how do I learn how to calm my body down? And we connect to a future so that you can start to think about something other than your past. Mm -hmm. All right. And then we learn to reframe the story and to rewrite the story and engage the soul through art, through theater, through music, dance. We lift your story up into myth. Why is that important? Uh, archetypes. Mm hmm. Archetypes are these pe uh, patterns, uh, energetic patterns that all of us have. You know, why do you know when I say geek? Do you know what a geek is? Mm -hmm, Automatically. <laughs> 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 or if you say somebody who's, uh, you know, that guy's, uh, he's a good dad, or she's mm -hmm. a great mom, or uh, you could tell that that person is a, uh, has got the warrior in them. Mm -hmm. You can just tell there's mm -hmm. something that they embody. You're doing archetypes. Archetypal patterns, when we lift that up into the, our stories, into the epic dimensions like that, we st start to see our story, your story, in the larger picture of humanity. And so you're lifting it up and we start to heal our suffering because we see it in the larger, we take it from the personal to the impersonal. So yeah. we're no longer mm -hmm. making it yeah. this happen to me. And you have to go through that. You have to go through that, mm -hmm. that victim phase. Mm -hmm. you, it's necessary. It's important. Okay. But we've got to get it up into that impersonal stage. Then learning how to set healthy boundaries and, and, and restoring your sense of, of, of esteem and confidence in yourself. And then learning how you move forward. How do you walk in this world mm -hmm. with your soul? Mm -hmm. And so we do retreats. We do. We're going to be having. I want in on the retreats. I want you. To <laughs> I like retreats. You know what? There's. It's such a great way for people to get outside of what yeah. their yeah. their 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 comfort of their yeah. the, the world, mm -hmm. and being together with other people who are doing the similar things, who are needing that safety, mm -hmm. that that sacred space in order to mm -hmm. process these things to feel like I've got support around me, that sense of community. And that's one of the critical elements too, is that we heal in community. Yep. Uh, you're no like longer that. having to carry the burden of what happened to you. I'm gonna carry it with you. Mm -hmm. We're mm -hmm. gonna shoulder it together. So now I'm, we're leaning on each other a little bit yep. more. Yep. And so it's all of these different elements that have come into being with core soul healing. and because that's uh, that's what we have to do and uh, so awesome well this has been packed full of all kinds of fun stuff <laughs> <laughs> I know we could go on I, I think. know, <laughs> no, just, yeah uh, definitely we could um, but thank you for joining us uh, look for Charlie uh, it, it's, it's you go by Charlie because I see Charles everywhere. I'm like, I know you as Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie is the way I, I prefer to. Charles is only like when I'm doing something uh, official or like when I sign Charles. my name. Yeah. Charlie. Charlie. Anyway, go to his website. Check him out. You know, it's it's new. It's phenomenal what he's doing. Um, I just I really could sit and listen to you all day because it's it is outside of my what I am good at, mm -hmm. but it's such a huge part of any of my clients mm -hmm. right and I it's I'm constantly amazed because I do a two-hour intake on my clients before I see them at the amount of trauma that I see in an intake and it's 
it's heart wrenching yeah. what people experience. Um, yeah. So it's uh, you know there's so much to life. You just got to find people who can help to lift you up. We all need to be lifted up. We all need to be all lifted need to be up, lifted and especially up. after this pandemic, when we get outside, there's going to be a lot of people who are yeah. needing to. Yeah for these kinds of mm. connections and the, and our retreat is going to be if i just quick plug it's going to be Do september it. 16th through september 19th it's going to be at the sunrise ranch here in loveland colorado uh, we've already got people ready to, that are coming on book it it's going to book fast and this is going to be the first of many so stay tuned good for but, you so That's september exciting. 16th through the 19th uh right up here in loveland colorado do it check them out Thanks, everybody. Um, you can check me out at tastelifenutrition.com. All the social media is Taste Life Nutrition. Um, you can fill out, there's a, an assessment on my website that you can fill out, and it goes directly to me. And so I will get it. I'll reach out to you. doesn't matter where you are in the world, except you have to speak English because I only speak English. <laughs> I'm getting better about that. Boom. I need to get better. <laughs> That's just all I know. Um, but I, it, I will talk to you and we'll kind of figure out, you know, do we, it, can we work on a few things or do we actually need to set up at some time and actually spend some time together? So um, I'm here, you know, let us know if there's anything you need. We are both here to be a resource for anybody, you know, message us, whatever. We like to talk. So <laughs> <laughs> thanks, everybody. We'll thank see you later. Thank you. This was so great. <laughs> yeah, thank, thank you, you, Charlie. <laughs> Charles. <laughs> <laughs>